Hi, I am Shay Keith, and this is Walking with the Chosen. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about episode one from season one. I am still trying to figure out how I want all these show episodes to go for my podcast, but today's episode, how I'm going to break it down is I will introduce you to the characters that are in the show, and then we're going to talk about their storylines and kind of tie them all together. And then at the end, I'll give a summary, like what I feel about the show and how it moved me and where we go from there. So let's get started. First, there's some things you need to know before you start watching The Chosen if you've never seen this before, and that is you have to understand the timeline and know that the Romans occupied this land. They're in Israel. They're the ones that control everything. They rule with an iron fist. So if they don't like you, they can just kill you because why not? They run everything. And they are known to be gruesome people. I mean, they're not afraid to stick a sword in you, cut off your head, or hang you on a cross. That is how the Romans ruled. And they treat Jews like they're dogs. And when I say dogs, I'm not talking about treating them like how we might treat our dogs and cats today in today's society with all their little pillows and, you know, all the best treatments. No, I'm talking about they treated dogs like they were vermin pretty much. And that's how they treated the Jews. They treated Jews like they didn't matter. And they had no problem in selling in dispute, even if it just means taking their sword and popping them on the head because they're tired of watching two people fight. That's how they were. So the Romans are in control. They make all the decisions. They rule the cities. They decide what laws are broken. And that is the timeline that we're in. You also need to be aware that society was different back then. You didn't, women then didn't have the rights that women have today. Women didn't have much authority. I've heard stories that women were not much better than slaves in a sense. You know, they were the ones that obviously did all the cooking and cleaning and everything. And I feel like the show actually puts women in a better light than maybe they even were treated back then. And you just have to be aware of that, you know, just know that women weren't treated very good back then. And that, um, the the Romans were ruling. So that's the main preface that I wanted to start the show with, just so that if you've never seen the show, you're well aware of that, because that is a theme that goes throughout. Another thing that's another common theme throughout The Chosen is how Jews do not work on Shabbat. They take Sabbath day, and that's a day of rest, because in the Bible, God created the world in seven days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So they take that very seriously. And If anybody is doing anything on Shabbat, then they're breaking Jewish laws. And that is a recurring theme you'll find later as the show gets going. But it comes up even in this very first episode, and it's very important. So let me just start with introducing you to all the characters that are in the show. It starts off with Lilith. So Lilith is a woman probably around 30 years old. You can tell that she is facing some battles with demons. That's about all we know about her. We see some flashbacks to her when she was a child with her dad. And then we have Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee from Judea, Jerusalem, and he is a teacher of teachers is how they refer to him. And then we have Quintus, who is the Roman praetor, and he's also considered to be a magistrate. And then we have Matthew, who's a tax collector, and Gaius, who is a Roman centurion, who is Matthew's escort and otherwise his protector from the other Jewish people, since they don't like 
Matthew too much since he's a tax collector. <laughs> kind of like in today's society, right? <laughs> and then we have Shmuel and Yusuf, and both of those guys are also Pharisees. And then we have Simon and Andrew, who are brothers. Simon is the oldest. Simon and Andrew are both fishermen. I would say that Simon is the optimistic guy, and Andrew is the cynical guy between the two. And then Simon's wife, Eden, and Eden refers to Simon as stoic and powerful. And she considers herself to be colorful and fun. And when the two of them come together, they are perfection, which I really like. I like Eden a lot. She's a very sweet character on this show. And yet she's not afraid to stand up to her husband when times are tough. <laughs> so this story takes place in Capernaum. And it takes place in the Red Quarter of Capernaum. Which, if I understand correctly, just based on what I've seen in the show, the Red Quarter is that part of the city that people with a good reputation would not go to, such as the prostitutes might live in the Red red Quarter. And I'm wondering, though, if the Red Quarter might just be more of a poor area and not just people like prostitutes. But I think other people might also live there when we get into other episodes of The Chosen. It seems like it's not just for, you know, the people like that. But I, I don't know for sure. That's just my guess. So we have multiple storylines. The first one we're going to talk about is Lilith. So the story starts off with Lilith as a little girl back in Magdala of 2 BC. And she's having a conversation with her father. She's a little girl. She's scared. She comes out of the tent and he asks her, he's like, well, you can't sleep. Do you have a headache? And she goes, no, I'm scared. And he says, well, what do we do when we're scared? And she says on her little girl voice, we say the words. And then he says, Adonai's words from the prophet Isaiah. And this comes from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Then the show quickly jumps forward to 26 AD in Capernaum, and you see a woman waking up, and she looks like she's startled and scared, and her hair is all a mess. And then you hear a man screaming, that she tried to kill me! And then you see her with blood on her hands, and so we know that she must be the one that just tried to kill this man. And he goes up to a Roman, and he's like, she's got demons and living inside of her! So now we know that this woman has demons living inside of her, and she tried to kill him. The next storyline we come across is Nicodemus, teacher of teachers. Nicodemus and his wife are coming to Capernaum and get stopped by Quintus on the road. And Quintus basically is trying to find a way to get more taxes out of the Jews because, you know, he's a Roman. That's all he cares about, more money. So he goes after Quintus, he goes after Nicodemus to try to get this money and like, you need to put pressure on your people. So then we see Nicodemus talking to his uh, students and he's telling them that the food that these fishermen are collecting on Shabbat aren't clean for us to eat because whatever we take in defiles the body. So now they're thinking, well, okay, I guess we're not supposed to be eating the, the, the fish that we catch on Shabbat. And this part confuses me a little bit, I will admit it, because the more I think about this, I'm thinking, I don't know that Quintus would put pressure on Nicodemus because if Nicodemus goes to tell the other Pharisees, hey, we need to stop these guys from fishing, well, then Quintus isn't going to get money for them. See, the whole issue is Quintus doesn't collect money on Shabbat for taxes because 
Jewish law says they're not supposed to be doing anything on Shabbat. They're not supposed to be working. Hence, they aren't bringing in any fish, so we can't get taxed for something we're not doing. But clearly, there are people that are going out and fishing. And so he wants part of that money. So it'd make more sense if Quintus comes up and says, you know, just tells Nicodemus, hey, we're going to start taking money from the Jews when they fish on Shabbat. But that's not how it came out, because Nicodemus, instead of saying, you know, the fish are not clean if we eat that from that catch. So I don't, that part confuses me. I'm not quite sure on the writing on the show on that piece. That's just my two cents. Take it for what it's worth. (laughs) I'm clearly not a writer on the show, and I uh, wouldn't want that challenge. (laughs) Okay, so... Nicodemus gets to town and he has a Roman come after him and says, you have to go to the Red Quarter and you need to take care of this woman. And of course, Nicodemus is like, hey, we don't go to the Red Quarter. We're we're respectable men. We don't go there. And he's like, maybe you didn't hear me quite correctly. You're going to go there and you're going to get rid of this issue. Oh, we'll take care of it ourselves, i.e. we'll just burn it all down. We'll take care of that Red Quarter once and for all. Again, Romans don't like the Jews. So Nicodemus and Shmuel and uh, Yusuf all travel to the Red Quarter together, and they find Lilith, and they're going to expel those demons. But when Nicodemus gets there, and he's got, you know, his incense and his whatever, he's got all his stuff he needs to do this exorcism. And then Lilith looks at him, and with those multiple voices, they say, we're not scared of you, teacher. There's nothing you can do here. And of course, then he's like, oh, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I'd be right there with him. I'd be out that door before he is. <laughs> I wouldn't want to hear all those voices talking to me either. I'd be like, yeah, I'm done. And the thing that Nicodemus realizes is that only God himself could have saved that woman. And he's like, I, you know, I feel really bad. And he keeps beating himself up about it. And we'll see later in the episode where he's taking notes and he's thinking about this woman and you know, how how could I have saved her? And he's really struggling with that thought. But then we fast forward to Simon and Andrew, and now they're fighting and they're gambling. And you've got Andrew sitting off to the side and he's like kind of nodding his head when Simon's trying to determine how many more time, how many more punches can he take before they can finally win this little fight that they've set up. And he's like, I've got like one more punch in me. And they're like, oh, he's got one more. Great. We're going to take all the money. And then he like jumps up and he punches his brother-in-law. And then his brother-in-law's like, well, yeah, you might have defeated me, but now you've got my brother to kick your butt. And so Eden's brother in turn gets Simon and Simon and Andrew lose their money. Next thing you know, they're trying to go fishing and Andrew and Simon are having a discussion and Andrew's like, dude, you can't go fishing right now. It's Shabbat in a couple hours. Where are you going? And he's like, well, this is a matter of life and death. And he goes, no, it's not. Nobody's dying. You know, why, why are you doing this? And this is where I get that cynical approach from Andrew. You're like, he's Mr. Negative and you've got Simon over here as Mr. Positive. Oh, that's all right. I'll take care of this. I'm going to save the day. I'm going to take care of my wife. I'm going to take care of you. Everybody's going to be fine. I'm going to go fishing. And, you know, the Romans are never out here. They're not checking on us. So he goes off to go fishing, comes home empty handed. And then we get to see a little bit of Eden's sense of humor as she teases Simon about how apparently Simon and Andrew picked on her brothers and got in this big fight. And then Simon's like, where are you getting this information from? She goes, oh, my brothers, they have such a sense of humor. (laughs) I love that interaction between them. So then they uh, go on and, uh, you know, she's talking about getting ready for Shabbat and we need to have dinner. And then he is off to fishing again. And 
this time we find out that something else happens while he's out fishing. But let me jump over to Matthew and Matthew's story. So, so far we've, we've talked about Lilith and how she's got the demons inside of her. We know that Nicodemus showed up and Quintus wants him to put pressure on the Jews for fishing on Shabbat. And we know that Nicodemus and the other Pharisee have gone over to Lilith to try to exercise those demons and failed, and only God himself could remove those demons. And then we have um, Simon and Andrew, they're introduced, and we see that, you know, Simon's going to fish on Shabbat, even though he's not supposed to. So now we have Matthew. And Matthew is an interesting character. I like Matthew a lot. The, the, the actor that plays the part does a fantastic job of showing a character who is on the autism spectrum. And a lot of people have written into the show and have said how much they appreciate that character because they can relate to somebody who feels different and feels like they're, they're different than everybody else that they know. So we see that Matthew lives in this fancy house. He's got servants. He wears nice clothes. He's got multiple pairs of the same sandals. So that if he steps in some sort of animal droppings, he's got another pair of sandals he can slip on quickly just so that he can handle those delicate sensibilities of his. (laughs) And then we see that the person who comes to pick him up from a ride, you know, everybody gives Matthew a hard time. And the guy that picks him up for a ride calls him public anus instead of publicanus, which is what he's supposed to be called. And he's like, yeah, whatever, you're a big pile of dung and you're riding the back of my cart. So he's covered up and he's hidden. And the reason for that is because, like I said, Matthew's a tax collector. And in those days, you know, he's a Jewish tax collector. So he's considered to be a traitor to the Jewish people collecting money from them. And I, I granted, we don't like tax collectors today either. Nobody wants to have to pay taxes. That's our hard earned money. And we want to keep it. But for back then, it's like you did not want to be a Jew who was a tax collector because you're going to have everybody hating on you. You've already got the Romans who hate you because they hate all Jews. And then you've got the the Jewish people that are going to hate you because you're a traitor to your own people. So you see him go to his little booth to collect his taxes. And then you're introduced to Gaius, who is a Roman centurion, who is Matthew's escort and protector. And the funny thing about Gaius is he kind of like is waiting to see if Matthew's going to get taken down, I think. He walks in, he makes some comment about, you can just feel the tension, like just one little thing, and they're going to be set off, and you're going to be toast, Matthew. (laughs) So he gives him a hard time, and Matthew's like, yeah, whatever, just unlock the door, let me do my job. (laughs) So that's Matthew and his perfectionism. And then we see uh, Simon and Andrew, they're supposed to go pay their taxes, and it seems like Andrew's the one handling all the taxes for some reason. I'm sure they both have taxes they probably have to pay, but Andrew's the one that's trying to settle his debt. And he gets up there and he realizes that not only is he late, but he owes so much in penalties, he doesn't have enough money to even cover the penalties, let alone what he's supposed to pay. So he's in big trouble. And he's like, I'm going to lose everything. We'll lose the boat. You know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So big brother Simon steps in and saves the day. And then he goes and says, look, dude, Matthew, I've already talked to Quintus. I have an arrangement made. And of course, Matthew and Gaius is like looking like, what? You talked to Quintus? Because, you know, Quintus is the top dog in this area. He is the magistrate. And you've talked to him? And he's like, yep, it's all covered. Neither one of us have to pay taxes. We're, we're good to go. So you see Matthew and Gaius, they go off to talk to Quintus. And that's where their story ends in this episode. Then we go back to Lilith. 
So Lilith has gone off to the bar. She wakes up as another second time and she doesn't really remember what's going on, but she knows that there's been a holy man to see her probably from Jerusalem, probably a Pharisee. And she knows that he wasn't able to help her. And when she wakes up the second time, again, she's in tears. Her hair is just a total mess. She's, you know, scared again. And she tries to say the word. She's holding this piece of paper in front of her and she's trying to say those words and she's crying. And finally, she just, she gets through that. And she rips them up and she's just done. She's like, these words, apparently, it seems like she's saying these words are not helping me and I'm just done with this. So now these words, she used to keep them rolled up in this little doll that she's probably had since her father died. And she takes the doll to the bartender barkeep and is like, here, give this to your nephew. You know, I'm, I'm done with this. And he knows something's wrong. He's like, you're, you're starting to scare me. You know, I don't know what's going on. And, and she's like, I'm in hell. I mean, she's really miserable. And you can tell that there's a lot of people that care about Lilith. She's got another woman from the Red Quarter that was talking to Nicodemus earlier you know, can you really help her? You know, why do you have to be here to mess up anything? We don't want to mess up anything. Lilith is a nice person. She just has these spells once in a while. But then when she hears her yelling, she's like, well, can you help her? And then you see this barkeep that he's concerned about her. And so she must be a nice person. She just, you know, she's possessed by many demons. And she leaves the doll there and she walks off. And then you see her at a cliff and she takes the crumpled up piece of paper, the strips of paper, and she throws him off the cliff. And it looks like she's thinking about just tossing herself over that cliff when a bird flies up. And I think it's a dove. And this dove flies up and she starts following the dove and she turns around and she goes walking down a path. And she finally winds back up in the town and she gets kind of ran into by Simon and Andrew as they're running out of the bar after they've had this discussion about Quintus and the arrangement that he's made with him. Andrew is not happy. (laughs) And so they're running out of the bar and they run into her and she kind of has like a curious look on her face. And then she looks and she's like, oh, I'm back at the bar. So she goes back inside and she's sitting there at the bar and she could tell she's just like, yeah, I, I. I don't know what to do now. And the guy was like, you know, just sit here until you feel better. And and she's like, I want alcohol. And she's like, I want that drink over there. And some man tries to approach her to seduce or, you know, hire her, I guess I should say. And she's like, I'm not interested. And the barkeep tries, tries to get him to go away. And she's like, that's fine because she smells anyway. (laughs) It just makes you think like how bad off was this poor woman? You know, obviously, She's living in the red quarter. She doesn't have much money, uh, apparently a prostitute, and she's got demons inside of her, and she's about ready to kill herself, and now somebody tells her she smells bad. I mean, she's she's at the bottom of the bottom. You can't get much lower than where she's at. So she's demanding this drink, and the barkeep gives it to her, and he sets it down, and right as she is about to grab the drink, somebody puts her hand, puts his hand on top of her hand, and she looks down, and then she looks up, and then she's like you know, looking at him and he says, that's not for you. And she pulls her hand away and she's like, you know, it looks like she's got a headache, something's hurting. And, and he's still just staring at her, just looking at her intently. And she's like, you know, go away, leave me alone. And then you see her get up and leave. And as she's running away from him, he's still pursuing her. And she's like, leave me alone. And then he says, Mary of Magdala, And she drops the drink and it goes shattering to the ground and it catches her attention. And she turns around and she's like, 
who are you? How do you know my name? Because at this point, everybody just knows her as Lilith. She's been Lilith forever. And here is this stranger she's never seen before. And he's calling her Mary of Magdala. And it stops her dead in her tracks. And then he says those words to her that have comforted her for years that she tried to get rid of. And this is the part that always gets me. That music starts playing and he says these words to her and it just floodgates open up. So let's see if I can get through it now doing this video and this podcast because this is a tough part for me. (sighs) Thus says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And that music just, poo, there it goes. And then she just, you know, the look on her face, and then she just falls into him and he puts his arms around her. I mean, that is the most beautiful scene that I have seen in a long time. And the first time I saw this episode, <laughs> see, the tears just come on instantly. I can't even talk about it. The first time I saw this episode, I was started crying. I'm like, why? Why does this make me cry? I don't understand why this the scene of this woman and some, you know, Jesus saying, I redeem you. But I guess for, I, I, I still can't explain it to this day. My Christian friends have all explained it to me as that's just the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's moving. <laughs> it moves a lot when I watch the chosen. The Holy Spirit loves to make me cry. And I cry on almost every episode, but this one in particular. So the first time I watched this episode was uh, in 2021, July 2021, I was on vacation. It was my last day of vacation. I was getting ready to leave. And I watched the show. Boy, those tears just started falling. And I have a whole family full of people. You know, they're my my brother, his wife, their kids. My sister-in-law's brother was there. Uh, the guy I was dating at the time was there. All these people were there. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be crying in front of everybody. <laughs> so I really tried to hold those feelings in. But I was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? So to round out this whole episode... We had like multiple stories. We're introduced to Simon and Andrew, the fishermen, and you'll see that they are a very key part of this whole story as the chosen moves forward. You've got Mary of Magdalene. She was kind of like the first thing that we see Jesus do. He's only in this episode for a very brief period of time, but man, what he does for that one, two minutes that he's in the episode, just mind blowing. And we see that Lilith gets redeemed. We see that Nicodemus has, um, a relationship with his wife that is interesting. Um, she seems like the woman who is very well off and she's all about how we look in public, you know, and she, when, you know, when he's questioning his ability not to be able to do this exorcism, he starts questioning God and maybe God is more beautiful than we realize. And then she calls him a possible blasphemer, you know, be quiet. Don't say this stuff out loud, you know, and I'm sure she's thinking, don't make me look like a fool when we're out in public. And um, we'll see more of them in coming episodes too. But it surprises me because I know that women don't have a high status in that time frame in the Middle East area. And I'm just wondering, does she have a high status? Would she have that high of a status? And I can assume that maybe she does. I know that Dallas Jenkins, the director of the show, he has three very important people on his round table that he runs the scripts by all the time, which is um, 
a Jewish rabbi, a Catholic priest, and an evangelical. And so the three of them in Dallas, they have these discussions to figure out, like, would this have happened? And do these same kind of things take place? So I'm sure like all the things I questioned about the show, they've already figured it all out and made sure it works, including the part where I get a little bit confused on the whole, um, how Quintus is pressuring Nicodemus on the fishing. I don't quite get that, but they made it work. <laughs> and I've watched this episode like eight or nine times before I actually even started questioning that. I mean, the first several times I watched this, I didn't even question that part of it. But this episode is just, it, it hooked me. As soon as I watch this one episode, I'm like, I want to watch the next one. And I've often wondered, you know, my brother and sister-in-law wanted me to watch the show for a long time. And I kept putting it off like, yeah, someday I'll watch it. Yeah, someday I'll watch it. And now I finally watched it. And then I'm like hooked and I want to watch the next one. I have to wonder, like, what did they think? And I know that my brother made a comment one time. He's like, I thought if you would watch the show, you would like it. I just wasn't sure which episode would would attract you. You know, what would lure me in? Well, they got me the very first one. (laughs) You had me from Hello, the Chosen. So I really love this episode. It's amazing. It's beautiful. That ending is so awesome. If you look over my shoulder over here, you'll see that I have the the ending picture right there. It's when Jesus grabs a hold of Mary Magdalene and he wraps her in his arms. And that to me is what I have learned over the past year. That's what Jesus does for us even today. I hit rock bottom last year after going through a divorce. I know exactly how difficult it can be. And over time, I've learned to trust Jesus more. And that's been hard for me. It's like just watching Simon here in this episode, how he wants to do it all himself and he's in control and that pride and, you know, we can solve things ourselves. And I feel that I, I relate to Simon a lot, but I also relate to Mary and her brokenness and how sad she feels and how she's just done, you know, like nothing's going to save me anymore. I just want to drink. And I've never had alcohol addictions or suicidal um, tendencies, but I understand how sad she felt and how lonely she felt. And, and Matthew is another one. I'm sure he must feel lonely because the only person that he's in a relationship with is his his Roman escort, his centurion, that's not a friend. And we haven't seen any sign of family with him. So he seems like he's a very lonely person. And maybe all these people are lonely in some way, shape or form. I guess time will tell as we get into future episodes. So that's all I have for episode one of The Chosen. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like uh, like to get in touch with me and maybe share your story of how The Chosen has changed your life, how it's transformed you, I highly encourage you to go over to my website, walkingwiththechosen.com, and leave me a recorded message. You'll see your record button on the website right there. You can leave me, I think it's up to two minutes, you can leave a message. Tell me, you know, your story. And if you'd feel comfortable on coming on video and telling me your story and telling everybody your story, but really you're only telling me, so don't freak out about that. And everybody gets a little worried about video. But I would love to hear your story and just know how, what, like, what's your favorite episode of The Chosen and who's your favorite characters and how has the show changed your life? I would love to be able to share that with people, inspire other people in the future, especially when they're down. Maybe there's something that's happened in your life that other people can relate to. For me, it was a divorce and just feeling like such a failure. And, um, you know, that's that's my story. And I will share my story later on this first season. 
But I want to hear your story. What did you struggle with? And how has the chosen changed you? And how did it bring you closer to Jesus and to God? And how did it change your life? Please come on my website and share a recording. And let's talk. Let's set up a time so we can have a discussion and share it here. Until next time, stay blessed. And I will see you on the next episode of Walking with the Chosen. Bye.